Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, one of the highlights of the American Thanksgiving celebration is the official arrival of Santa Claus to ring in the Christmas season. But do you know the history of the midwinter bearer of gifts and his other traditions around the world? We speak with the author of Santa Claus Worldwide. Also coming up this morning, highlights of December events and programs at the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library. Sarah Clevenance will tell us what's happening. And happening around town, members of the cast will join us to preview the Fort Findlay Playhouse upcoming production of the classic Harvey. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, November 29th, 2021. Today is Cyber Monday. You're going to do any uh, any big shopping online for Cyber Monday? I mean, the deals have been out there for for many many weeks. And by the way, uh, this is uh, one of the uh, stories we wanted to talk about. The first things you need to know this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories to start the day. Online spending on Black Friday was actually down a little bit this year, so we'll get to that uh, here in just a moment. But it is Cyber Monday today. It is the customer is wrong day. <laughs> well, we heard the customer is right. No, the customer is wrong day today. It is National Chocolates Day, National Lemon Cream Pie Day, and perhaps most importantly, today is Throw Out Your Leftovers Day. Anything you've got left over in the refrigerator from Thanksgiving, probably not any good at this point if you haven't uh, haven't put it in the freezer at this point. So throw out those leftovers day today. And while you're at it, throw out all the rest of the stuff that's been uh, sitting in the back of your refrigerator getting green over the past several months. So uh, the Buckeyes lost to that team up north on Saturday, and that means... Ohio Governor Mike DeWine owes Michigan, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer some ice cream and other goodies. Uh, the uh, annual friendly wager between the governor of Ohio and Michigan over the outcome of the game uh, goes the uh, Wolverines away after their victory in Ann Arbor on Saturday. So uh, Governor DeWine will send Governor Whitmer some black raspberry chip Ice cream from Grater's Ice Cream in Cincinnati, which is good stuff. Not as good as Deech's, but it's good stuff. Uh, also, uh, the uh, Michigan governor will get uh, some chocolate-covered pretzels from Mally's in Cleveland. Again, good stuff. Not as good as Deech's, but good stuff. And uh, some candies from Marsh's Homemade Buckeyes in Perrysburg uh, going up to uh, Governor Whitmer as well. So, Governor will... Uh, We'll pay off on his bet uh, today. So did you have a good Thanksgiving weekend? I mean, other than the uh, Buckeyes game on Saturday, did you have a good Thanksgiving weekend? Hope you uh, you had some fun and uh, enjoyed it. Uh, gatherings with uh, with family. Now you got to wonder if it's going to be the last gathering with family for a while. It was the first uh, for many folks. I talked to a lot of folks. Today, this is the first big gathering of family that we had since the beginning of the pandemic. I talked to a lot of folks uh, like that now with the uh, new variant they're talking about, this uh, Omicron variant. Who comes up with these names, by the way? Omicron. That sounds like a video game. (laughs) 
It's the video game variant of the virus. Now, who knows what that might uh, mean for Christmas gatherings. But anyway, uh, if you got together with uh, with fam- family and once again noticed the traditional, you had the uh, traditional uh, turkey dinner, you know, watching the uh, football games, and then the second part of the tradition of Thanksgiving, everybody takes a nap. <laughs> Thanksgiving afternoon. And Dr. Joan Blake with Boston University says, uh, folklore has it that the tryptophan-rich turkey is the reason behind the prevalence of snoozers sprawled out on the uh, on the couch uh, after the leftovers are tucked away on Thanksgiving Day. But, she says, if you look a little further into the science, or lack thereof, behind this legend, you will uh, soon realize that that is not the culprit. It is not the tryptophan theory. It says it just doesn't make any sense psychologically. There are a lot of things that we eat in our diet that are rich in tryptophan. Not just turkey, but uh, eggs, cheese, milk, uh, soy, yogurt, all contain tryptophan. And they don't put you out. Uh, They don't lead to, you know, this overwhelming urge to take a nap after your meal. So, it's not the tryptophan, uh, she says, the likely cause of... Everybody falling asleep after Thanksgiving dinner is simply because we eat so much and the body has to work harder at digestion than it normally would. And the fact that a lot of energy goes into creating a Thanksgiving feast and all of that uh, can make you very sleepy. And that's the reason why she says everybody falls asleep on Thanksgiving. So now you know. As you mentioned, online spending on Black Friday was down slightly this year. It is the first time that has ever fallen. According to data from Adobe Analytics, $8.9 billion in sales. With a B, as in big bucks, $8.9 billion in, sta- in sales. But not as big as last year, $9 billion. So uh, down about... million in online sales for Black Friday. Now, that's online, and they say the main reasons, likely main reasons for online spending ticking down on Black Friday was that retailers have been urging people to do their shopping earlier this year. So that probably played a role. People also, because of supply chain issues and, and shipping issues, shipping delays... The fear of ordering something online and not getting it in time drove more people to the stores uh, where they're able to get products in person without having to worry about shipping and supply issues and that kind of thing. Uh, In-store shopper visits were up 47.5% compared to last year. Uh, Obviously, part of that due to people wanting to avoid delivery issues with their products but also because this year people were able to get out, whereas last year the pandemic kept many people at home. So up 47%, 47.5% in-store traffic compared to last year, but that was still down 28.3% from 2019 pre-pandemic, according to uh, Sensormatic Solutions. 
which tracks such things. Remains to be seen how retailers' encouragement of earlier Christmas shopping will affect sales on Cyber Monday today. Uh, data firm Adobe Analytics suggests that online sales will top $11 billion today alone, and that would be 4% more than last year. So the bottom line in all of these numbers is that it is a very unusual year. You thought last year was unusual, and it was. This year shaping up to be very unusual as well. So nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen uh, with respect to uh, holiday shopping this year. But I guess it really doesn't matter, ultimately, whether people buy on Black Friday or Cyber Monday or you know what have you. It's the entire Christmas shopping period that will matter. And so we'll see in January just how strong or weak the total sales numbers are. But meanwhile, the holidays are upon us now. And because we always have to have something to be worried about, to be wringing our hands about, and to be nervous about, here is the latest shortage causing all kinds of problems. A glass bottle shortage is causing wine and spirit makers to scramble. (laughs) Now this is serious. This is getting serious. A glass shortage across the U.S. due to supply chain issues affecting multiple industries. The shortage, it says here, will likely drive up consumer prices of everything from spaghetti sauce to your favorite holiday beverage, everything from wine to bourbon, rising consumer demand, continuing labor shortages, and international manufacturing delays also contributing to the shortage of glass. And this all means that you may have to visit multiple locations while searching for your liquor of choice, especially for certain sized bottles, it says here. Although it doesn't say what those certain sizes are, so I don't know. But uh, be prepared. Now we're talking serious stuff. (laughs) Now can we finally take this pandemic seriously? We're running short on liquor bottles, by golly. Now it's getting serious. And uh, finally, among the first things you need to know this morning, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, During this gift-giving season, if you bestow a gift upon a younger adult, the millennial and Gen Z age ranges, don't expect to, well, let's try that again, the other way around. Uh, If they bestow a gift on you and you thank them, don't expect them to say you're welcome. They just don't do it. Um. A theory as to why this is was tweeted out by a, um, I guess, a psychologist. It's a Dr. Dr. History Brad uh, has a, a Twitter account. <laughs> I should have looked this up. I should I should know his credentials. But anyway, he says, my generation says no worries instead of you're welcome. That's their phrase of choice. They don't say you're welcome. They say no worries. They give you something, they give you a gift, you say thank you. They say no worries. And there are a couple of reasons for that, according to Dr. History Brad on Twitter. One, to show that doing a favor for someone doesn't need to be a transactional thing. 
and that they are happy to help. And number two, because if they really knew how worried we actually are, they never, ever talk to us again. What? Oh. Uh, others have a theory that's saying no problem or no worries simply sounds less formal and more friendly, and they think that uh, saying something very formal can make the other person feel shy. All right. Language experts note that it's not just English speakers who are getting away from the phrase, you're welcome. Around the globe, similar phrases to no worries, no problem, less formal ways of saying you're welcome. Similar phrases in other languages are becoming more commonly used to express that doing a favor for someone is no big deal. So, anyway, uh, I just bring it up because, again, we're getting into that uh, gift-giving time of year. And if you thank someone for the gift they gave you and they don't say you're welcome, don't be offended. It's just the way they are. So there you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly cloudy today with a high of 38, a chance of a few snow showers tonight, a low of 33. That's how it sounded as the city of Findlay Christmas tree lit up on Friday night at Dorney Plaza in front of the municipal building. Santa Claus himself helped Findlay Mayor Christina Mern with the countdown. Then the crowd cheered as the big tree lit up. People then took some time to get a few pictures in front of the glowing tree. Millstream career students designed the star on top of the tree. Get more and see video on our website. Northwest State Community College is collaborating with Ohio Means Jobs Hancock County and the City Mission of Findlay to offer an introduction to welding program at the Fostoria Learning Center. The program is providing seven individuals from the City Mission a chance to earn valuable welding skills and a 10-hour certification. Get more on the new program on our website. Ohio's new map of congressional districts is facing a constitutional challenge, alleging it represents partisan gerrymandering by Republicans. The lawsuit was filed in the Ohio Supreme Court by the National Democratic Redistricting Committee's legal arm on behalf of a group of Ohio voters. It challenges a map of U.S. House districts passed without Democratic support and signed into law by Republican Governor Mike DeWine. According to the suit, the map is even more rigged than its predecessor. Ohio's ruling Republicans assert the map does not unduly favor either political party. That's ONN's Tracy Townsend reporting. Get more on the map and the lawsuit on our website. The Cary Blue Devils football team is headed to the state title game after another playoff win. Cary defeated New Middletown Springfield in the Division VI state semifinal on Saturday. Cary will now take on Coldwater in the state title game on Saturday at 3 p.m. in Canton at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. Cary is 14-1 on the season and Coldwater is 13-2. Another playoff action, a tremendous season for Ottawa Glandorf came to a close on Saturday as the Titans lost to Kirtland in the Division V state semifinal. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, we all know the famous poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, which gives us kind of the framework for the modern-day American image of Santa Claus. But would you be surprised to learn that the origins of the legend of a midwinter bearer of gifts predates Clement Clark Moore's poem by many decades or more? Tom German is author of a fascinating new book, 
Santa Claus Worldwide, A History of St. Nicholas and Other Holiday Gift Bringers. And that's one of the myths you dispel is that uh, Twas the Night Before Christmas is kind of the origin of Santa Claus. It, correct. It, it is, but it isn't. Um, the um, origin of Santa Claus really goes back to um, pagan uh, gods who led rituals surrounding the winter solstice, mm-hmm. the shortest day and the coldest time of the year, and they would have uh, celebrations to try and encourage the sun god to return. Um, over time, that celebration was converted into a celebration of the birth of Jesus, but that didn't happen until about 350 A.D., and then about 1200 A.D., it was converted into a festival where St. Nicholas uh, brought uh, gifts to uh, well-behaved uh, children. Mm-hmm. So uh, just so just like uh, the celebration of Christmas itself has evolved over the centuries, so has uh, the legend of the uh, character we now call Santa Claus, and uh, it's also evolved differently. In different parts of the world. Again, in America, we call him Santa Claus. He's a jolly old elf in a red suit uh, that has a uh, sleigh and eight flying reindeer and so on and so forth. But here again, not necessarily the shared story everywhere around the globe. Exactly. Um, Santa Claus was first mentioned uh, by that name in a book that was written in 1821 by a New York publisher named William Gilly. And the book was essentially the same story of Santa Claus as we know today, Mm -hmm. but it was written in a very sort of uh, depressing and and, uh, um, almost cruel manner, uh, focusing on the discipline rather than the gift giving. Hmm. And a year after it was written, uh, Gilly, who lived right across the street, literally, from uh, Clement Moore, who was a a well-known college professor, um, uh, became aware of... Moore became aware of the story. He didn't like the writing, but he liked the story for his children. So he rewrote it in 1822 as the poem we all know today. He didn't take credit for it for about 15 years, but it is undoubtedly his poem. And that poem gives us everything we need to know about Santa Claus in terms of what he looks like, what he does, and so on. And how does that image differ in the United States versus other places around the world? Because, again, they have different names. Some places it's Father Christmas, it's Sinterklaas, uh, uh, it's you know, all of these different names in uh, different countries. But is it all pretty much the same story? It is pretty much the same story. The differences are um, historical. Uh, Different uh, nations developed the stories in uh, different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And more importantly, religious. Um, Religion had a huge impact. Um, St. Nicholas, for example, uh, was... uh, taken in by the Catholic Church to be the Christian gift giver on 
St. Nicholas Day, which was December 6th. But after the Reformation, Protestants weren't going to have anything to do with the Catholic uh, priest. So they started developing their own figures. These guys looked like uh, they were sort of homeless uh, uh, gift givers who had lived in the forest for many years with long, scraggly beards and dirt-covered uh, uh, clothing and wearing furs and pelts. Uh, and so that was a religious difference. When you got to America in the late 1700s and early uh, 1800s, there was a large element of that uh, idea that Christians wouldn't have anything to do with Santa Claus or St. Nicholas, as he was better yeah. known. Um, so it, it's all of those factors together. Um, there are also countries such as Russia where the gift giver, although he looks just like Santa Claus, is actually Grandfather Frost, who celebrates Frost. the winter holidays at coincidentally the same time as Christmas. Yeah, uh, that is really interesting because, again, in this country, we think of Santa Claus as the personification of the secular side uh, of the of the season, and uh, it's interesting to trace it back to uh, its roots uh, in Christianity. And speaking of Russia, you make the point in the book that this is a story that has survived uh, some some pretty amazing shifts in society from the Russian Revolution, Nazi Germany. You know, all of these uh, legends worldwide have survived a, a very changing globe. Absolutely, Santa Claus lives on, despite the um, seemingly um, insurmountable uh, challenges he has faced from communists who wouldn't have anything to do with a, a mm -hmm. Christian figure like. St. Nicholas or Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. um, despite those, Santa has survived. They have never been able to uh, to keep him down. He just keeps going. And uh, you, in fact, are a Santa collector. I know there are a lot of uh, folks are who collect uh, all things Santa, figurines and ornaments and uh, all kinds of uh, things that have been marketed over the years. And, and and you also make the argument that as a symbol of Christmas, this is important. Again, it's something that we can maybe kind of dismiss as part of the childhood wonder of Christmas. But then once we grow up, we kind of set it aside. You talk about how this exists as a very important symbol of Christmas. He's not the same every place. Santa Claus differs all over the world, but we know him when we see him. He has a yeah. a quality that that uh, goes beyond one individual or or, or one folktale, and he expresses the spirit of Christmas. Ultimately, that really is maybe the the best gift that Santa can bring is the recognition that even though there are uh, we have these differences around the world that we share uh, some very important commonality and that's a lesson that transcends uh, the Christmas season or even Santa Claus himself. Yes, what I say in the book was that the really extraordinary thing about Santa Claus is that he manages to embrace both 
commonality and diversity at the same time. Yeah. Uh, we know him when we see him. There's a commonality there. Uh, but on the other hand, there's enormous diversity in the ways he, he gets uh, uh, displayed. Uh, but they're all clearly Santa Claus. Yeah. Again, Tom German. Yeah. Tom German is uh, author of the new book, Santa Claus Worldwide, a history of St. Nicholas and other holiday gift bringers. And you have a website where folks can learn more. That's correct. It's called a collection of Santas.com. Very good. And we have um, things about the book, about me, depictions of historical Santas going back to prehistoric times and taking us up to the end of the 19th century. I didn't go into the 20th century because that would have uh, quadrupled the size of the <laughs> It is a really fascinating uh, trek through time and Santa Claus history. We'll link it up on our webpage. Uh, Tom German, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Thank you for having me and have a Merry Christmas. Library Director Sarah Clevidence is on the line with us this morning. Tell us what's happening the month of December at the Findlay-Hancock County Public Library. Sarah, good morning to you. Hope you had a happy Thanksgiving with uh, friends and family and loved ones, all of that. Good morning, Chris. Yes, it was a wonderful Thanksgiving. I think it was uh, nice to uh, have a, a more normal Thanksgiving for all of us. I know uh, the month of December at the library is a little light on, on programs. Not a whole lot going on. People have a lot of other things on their plate uh, during the month of uh, month of December. But you do have, uh, I understand you're going to be uh, decking the halls here over the next couple of days, as it were? We are. If you've ever been in our, our meeting room, the Linda Mood room, uh, you're probably used to seeing it filled with tables and chairs and maybe kids for a program. Right now it's filled with totes of holiday decorations. <laughs> <laughs> so going to get all decked out uh, among the stacks for the, uh, for the holiday season as you uh, ring in this time of year. And you also have uh, a couple of uh, special things going on uh, in conjunction with the holiday season, too. Some special music and stuff. We do. We're really excited this year to have Finley String Factor on uh, Sunday, December 12th and Sunday, December 19th. They'll be here uh, from 3 to 4 those days playing in the Adult Services Department under the the skylight. So Finley String Factor is a a group from Finley High School. Um, It's a string quintet that has two violins, one viola, one cello, and one string bass. Oh, wow. That'll be fun. That'll be uh, that'll be written. now. That is uh, what are the days on those for those uh, performances? The details there. It'll be the twelfth and the nineteenth. Okay, those are both Sundays from three to four. Okay, all right. So uh, look forward to that. What are some of the things that are going on in the uh, month of December at the library? So, as you might guess, there's a lot of holiday themed programs. Um, all, I think almost all of our book discussions this month are on holiday titles. Uh, our our makerspace programs at the library will be on snowflakes. Uh, Crafter Work is making this really great uh, wreath for holding your greeting cards that come to your house. You know, mm. you'll get these beautiful greeting cards, and what do you do with them? But this wreath will allow you to clip them all around, and they become a decoration uh, for your home as well. Very we have, cool. Uh, we have a program on healthified holiday sweets and treats. I can tell you I ate way too much over the last few days for Thanksgiving, <laughs> so um, maybe a slightly healthier choice would be better going into the next round of holiday gatherings. Very good. When is uh, now? When are all of these things uh, happening? 
All of these are listed on our calendar on finleylibrary.org. Makerspace is this Thursday, okay. uh, December 2nd. There's a session in the afternoon for homeschoolers and then an evening session for families. And those do require registration. Uh, the Healthified Holiday Sweets and Treats are December 15th. Uh, Crafter Work is on December 9th at 6. Okay. And then also uh, kicking off... Uh, that, that holiday break for kids on December 17th, we'll have a couple of take-home activity kits for families going out. Uh, one of those is an escape room, Mystery at the Maza Museum. And the other is uh, just some fun holiday activities, minute-to-win-it games, a time capsule activity, and other things to help families have a great time while they're all home together over the holidays. Yeah, I know it can be uh, kind of tough sometimes to keep the kids uh, entertained and uh, give them things to do. Uh, this is a great uh, way of, of injecting some activities into that uh, long holiday break. Plus, uh, get them to the uh, library because uh, it's always a great thing to get the kids to the library and remind them of that resource. Absolutely. Get them stocked up on some great books to read just for fun while they're home over the break. And uh, again, now for uh, some of these programs, or, or maybe all of these programs, you can tell me the uh, registration uh, is required or? Uh, we do registration for most of our in-person programs, yes, especially mm-hmm. the ones for kids. Uh, and all of that is available on our website. Um, for crafter work, you, we will take walk-ins if there's enough supplies available. So okay. if you want to come make that card wreath, it's a good idea to reserve your spot in advance. And the take-home kits will just be available uh, anytime from December 17th uh, through the, the holiday break at the library. Okay. Uh, and can folks sign up for the programs that require registration? Can folks do that online, or they need to uh, call or stop by the library? It's very easy to do it online. You just go to our website, finleylibrary.org, and slip, click on our calendar link on the left. Uh, Once you find the program you're interested in, you can click in there and sign up right online. You know, we also mentioned the fact that, you know, December is a very busy month for a lot of folks uh, as we come up on the uh, Christmas season and and so on, the preparations for all of that. But at the end of the month, things do tend to slow down. I know a lot of folks uh, have uh, time off between uh, Christmas and New Year's and and so on, and uh, maybe heading into the new year. Uh, thinking about uh, learning something new or trying something different. You have a lot of uh, resources uh, with respect to that uh, at the uh, library website as well. A lot of e-media that can uh, go along with with that. Absolutely. For just about any uh, New Year's resolution you might have or or new goal for something you want to learn next year, we've got a resource for you online or uh, in the library. There's um, a lot of great databases uh, that could help you learn a foreign language or how to do a new craft. Um, there's ebooks available in our, our Overdrive and our Hoopla collections on any wide variety of topics you might want to learn more about. Uh, and then, you know, if you stop in the library, we have about 35 different display spaces. So even if you're not sure what you want to read or listen to or, or watch for your next family movie night, uh, If you just wander around and check out those displays, I bet you can find a great idea. Always some great inspiration there at the library, both in person and uh, online. And uh, library hours, uh, are they any different in December, especially as we're coming up in the holiday season? Anything we need to be aware of there? We are closed on December 24th and 25th. Right. And then we close at 4 p.m. on the 31st, and we'll be closed on the 1st. All right. But other than that, our hours are normal. All right. Uh, So, again, things that are going on at the uh, Findlay-Hancock County Public Library. 
Uh, many of them tied in with the holiday season, as you might expect. More details uh, and uh, uh, ways to register for programs uh, at the website, which we have linked up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Again, uh, Director Sarah Clevidence with us this morning. Sarah, thanks very much. Thank you. Have a great holiday. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We get our first Christmas story of the season and uh, (laughs) a story about uh, Tampa Bay area man uh, by the name of Michael Moffa who could be facing fines from his HOA for putting up his Christmas decorations too early. He put them up on November 6th, and uh, he was told by his HOA that he was he was putting them up too early. Apparently, they have rules on such things, because homeowners associations have rules on just about everything. And so he called in the big guns for some help in fighting his HOA. <laughs> He contacted Mariah Carey, the Queen of Christmas. You know, her song, All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, And uh, we hear that everywhere this time of year. Uh, Many consider Mariah to be the Queen of Christmas. And so she was tagged in a tweet uh, about uh, Mr. Moffa's plight. On November 17th, she retweeted the news story to her followers writing, my personal preference is to wait until after Thanksgiving, but there's no regulating festiveness. There should be no regulating festiveness. An, att- an attorney, for apparently it's gotten through because an attorney for the Homeowners Association says it's possible the board could reconsider letting Mr. Moffa keep his light display if the neighborhood approves. So at least... <laughs> It maybe seems to have worked. Get Mariah Carey involved. Uh, That is awesome. Uh, There's another TikTok challenge. Have you heard about this? It is just as dumb as all the ones that came before it. It is called the Kool-Aid Man Challenge. And if you're old enough to remember the commercials where the Kool-Aid Man blasts through the fence uh, to provide uh, the the tasty drink to all of the kids who are playing in the backyard. You remember the, the from your childhood, the commercial with the Kool-Aid man blasting through the fence? Well, that is the Kool-Aid man challenge features TikTok users running headlong through people's fences. And apparently this has been going on for several weeks. The acts of vandalism are really getting to people in certain areas. A longtime homeowner in Staten Island, New York, says earlier this month she found two human height holes in her fence and she took to the internet to identify the culprits. She figured out the holes were likely the result of the Kool-Aid Man challenge and estimates it will cost around $300 to repair her fence. That just strikes me as not too bright. Don't go running through people's fences. That's, That's crazy. I don't know if you're supposed to do this while dressed as the Kool-Aid man or just to do it, but don't just don't Uh, another overdue library book story. This is kind of crazy. 110 years after it was checked out, the book titled New Chronicles of Rebecca 
uh, has been returned to the Boise, Idaho, Carnegie Public Library. It was checked out in 1910. And uh, in a Facebook post, the library says with a fine of two cents per day for 11, 111 years, whoever checked out the book would owe $803. <laughs> but they did point out that the debt has been forgiven. Thank goodness the Boise Public Libraries are, are now fine-free. <laughs> Although the book has been returned to its rightful owner, library assistant Anne-Marine Martin still ponders where, where it has been uh, all of these years. She says you kind of wonder what its story was and how it ended up making its way all the way back to the library. Was it in somebody's box? Did someone pass away? Did they move? What happened? Uh, we will never know, but you can imagine the stories that this book could tell. I don't know if they put it back on the shelf or... I think I would I would probably frame it or put it in like a display case or something. 111 years after being checked out. Always like to find uh, animal stories in the broken news. A large sea lion is safely back in the water after wandering through a neighborhood in Lincoln City, Oregon on Friday evening. <laughs> police and firefighters uh, named the sea lion Tiffany and used fish donated by a local market in an attempt to lure her back to a nearby river. At first, she refused to budge, so they got some pieces of plywood and formed a corral to slowly move her back to the river where she waited for high tide, and then off she went. They say it is rare for sea lions to travel so far inland, but there have been other instances in the Northwest when it's happened. So. Can you imagine getting that call if you're a, if you're a police or a firefighter? Yeah, you know, we've got a sea lion wandering through. Sea lion, excuse me, is somebody uh, just had a little bit too much post-Thanksgiving fun, or is is actually a sea lion? And finally, as we head into the holiday season, be mindful of this. A grandma in Ontario, Canada, bought what she thought was an educational toy for her granddaughter, but was shocked when the dancing cactus started swearing and singing about doing cocaine. <laughs> the uh, singing, swearing cactus was sold on Walmart's website as an educational toy and sings songs in English, Spanish, and Polish. The grandmother, Anya Tanner, who is Polish, said she was shocked to hear the cactus singing about doing cocaine, drug abuse, depression, and using profanities in the Polish version of the song. Uh, the, the song by a rap star in Poland... First of all, I didn't know that Poland had rap stars, but apparently so. Uh, and apparently the artist, Cypus is his name, uh, reportedly was unaware that his song was used by the Chinese manufacturer of the children's toy. He has taken legal action against the company for using his song without permission. A spokesperson for Walmart said these items are sold by a third party in our marketplace. We are removing the items while we look into the complaint further. You're going to further investigate. <laughs> I would think that that investigation should be very short. You would think that they would probably not want a dancing cactus swearing and singing about drug abuse. <laughs> Being sold as an educational toy. 
on their website. So let's be careful when you get your grandkids for Christmas is the moral of that story. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. First, it was the decision about whether you should get the COVID-19 vaccination. Now, it's about whether to get your children, as young as age five, to roll up their sleeves and get the shot. Parents have a big decision to make. How safe is the vaccine for young children and what about any long-term effects what if the president mandates your child be vaccinated you have questions and we'll continue to provide the latest information on 1330 wfin wfin.com and 95.5 fm and now your daily download the numbers behind the news the statistics that shape our lives a new poll from yougov and yahoo news finds that 74% of Americans say their lives are normal again almost uh, after almost two years of living under the coronavirus pandemic. Nearly two-thirds, 74% of Americans say they have lives have finally gotten back to normal. The survey indicated that 21% described their lives as very normal. 53% say their lives were somewhat normal when factoring in the impact of COVID-19. The optimism regarding a return to normality comes as the coronavirus vaccines have been approved for those as young as five years old and booster shots have been approved for all adults. Only 19% in the poll say their lives are not very normal and 7% say their lives are not normal at all at this point. Although unvaccinated individuals have made up a majority of hospitalizations and deaths since the vaccines became widely available, the majority of those who are unvaccinated seem the least concerned about the virus. The poll found 70% of unvaccinated Americans describe their lives as normal. 25% say their lives are very normal. And 27% say their lives never stopped being normal. So there is that. We are joined in the studio this morning by members of the cast to uh, help us preview the Fort Finley Playhouse upcoming production of Harvey. What a classic this is. Joining us uh, are David Wright, Brian Zerby, Sam Henry, all with us uh, in the studio this morning. Gang, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Good to have you. Uh, This is such, first of all, how cool is it to be back at the Playhouse? Uh, I know this is what the second production third show third show show, uh, since the uh, relaunch of uh, of everything and I know uh, we were just talking about how uh, people feel like things are back to normal hopefully they they stay that way but it's got to be great to be back on the stage and back doing productions and all that 100 percent absolutely so uh, Harvey is I mean, it's a classic Pulitzer Prize winner. I did not realize this is Pulitzer Prize winning play. Um, that's what is it about? I've always I have to be frank. Everybody's familiar with the with the story. I think of of Harvey. Um, I have to be honest. I always thought it was kind of a goofy premise <laughs> for for a play, but it has had such incredible staying power. What is it about this show that makes it such a such a classic and I think there's a lot of funny humor in the show, and I think that resonates with a lot of people. I Mm -hmm. also think there's a lot of family and connection with 
brother and sister, mother, daughter relationships that people really relate to Mm -hmm. um, and the kookiness that happens in families that I think people are like, oh, I've totally had that happen at Thanksgiving or (laughs) different parts of life. That may make it uh, particularly timely for this uh, this time of the year, this season, uh, especially now that we are back with our families (laughs) for the first time. We're reminded about how goofy sometimes uh, these relationships are. But it's interesting you mentioned the the comedy because uh, with so much comedy from that era, some of it becomes very dated. But this, again, is such a timeless show. It it really is. And I got to be in the show 10 years ago when we did it. And Mm -hmm. I remember the audience just loving it so much. And being a very i was almost only like 20 when i did it um i found humor in it at that point in my life and i could just tell how timeless it was at that time so uh so you can understand why it's such a pulitzer prize which is such an acclaimed uh play so uh tell us kind of about the uh, production for the i don't know two or three people in the world who don't know the story tell us a little bit about it well, the story behind Harvey is uh, Elwood P. Dowd insists on including his friend Harvey in all of his sister's Vita's uh, social gatherings. The trouble is, <laughs> is Harvey is an imaginary six and a half foot tall rabbit. So supposedly imaginary. Correct. Supposedly, supposedly imaginary. Yeah. And I mean, to avoid further embarrassment for her family, and especially for her daughter, Myrtle May, because mm-hmm. uh, Myrtle May hasn't found a, a bow yet, uh, <laughs> Vita decides to have Elwood committed to a sanitarium. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the sanitarium, a frantic Vita explains to the staff uh, that her years with living with her brother Elwood and his hallucinations have caused her to also see Harvey. <laughs> And so the doctors mistakenly commit Vita Louise instead of her brother. And it's just it's just a a fun circle of humor. And we are off and running from there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh now the uh show has been in the works for how long you've been working on this? Uh, about a month now. Uh we've been in rehearsals. We started just about the day that our last show finished, so mm-hmm. uh, from one to the next. <laughs> and uh, then uh, the uh, production will open when? December 9th. Yeah, Thursday, December 9th. And uh, runs through the 19th, uh, a couple of weekends uh, in there. Correct. Tickets actually go on sale today. Today. Yeah. yeah. So how do folks uh, land tickets for Harvey? The best way to get, get tickets is uh, to go out to uh, the website at uh, fortfinleyplayhouse.org. And uh, there are tickets available. We've had some, uh, some wonderful sales already. So if you want to bring out the kids and, and or have a date night, uh, and you know, hit dinner downtown, and then uh, come on down to the theater mm-hmm. uh, and see a wonderful. Uh, it would be a dinner theater type of thing. Yeah, uh, and see Harvey. Uh, you'll make it a, a full night, and you'll absolutely enjoy it. I uh, really should highlight that this is a uh, a show for the entire family. Yes, um, kids. Ten and up, I would say, would really enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, We've talked about this before. The uh, Playhouse is a great place to see a show. Would be a great uh, place for young people to to see the to show, maybe their first uh, show because you're you know right up there and you can see everything and it's it's just a wonderful venue. 
Yeah, and a lot of times the kids can come up and meet us after the show and they just think that's the coolest thing ever. I'm like, I'm really not that special, but they think it's very special, so that's <laughs> kind of cool. Yes. Don't tell them kids. That's, that is a, an awful lot of fun. And, uh, and, and again, one of the things that we talk about whenever we have uh, you folks from the uh, Playhouse in, always welcoming uh, new folks to be a part of the production. This is just the latest, uh, the long season of uh, productions. you got more coming up and uh, always uh welcoming with open arms new folks to uh, join in the fun yes we love having new people and there's a ton of ways to help out at the playhouse not just in the shows but also helping build sets or make costumes or we have people usher that are not really wanting to be involved on stage but are still part of our family for sure yeah uh, and if folks want to learn more about the show, you can get tickets uh, on the website, right? Yes, and there are no fees um, to purchase those online. So uh, we've got the link up on our webpage for more information about Harvey. Uh, learn more about uh, getting involved at the uh, Fort Finley Playhouse. Uh, again, the show opens on December 9th, we said, right? December 9th. Tickets uh, go on sale today for the classic Harvey at the Fort Finley Playhouse. Guys, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that will wrap up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning, of course. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow after Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, we finally get around to something that embodies the true spirit of the holiday season, why Giving Tuesday is so important with the CEO of the National Philanthropic Trust. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.